from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Cotton-headed ninny muggins. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. That the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. Welcome to the party, pal! Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. How about that for a medley? <laughs> I was going to do Christmas music, but I thought, wait a second. That's just cheesy. And everybody people are already does, tired of that Everybody now. does that. Now, the controversy is going to ensue. So that's the first thing we have to get out of the way. <laughs> because I think I know where you're going to come down on this, and uh, I don't like it. Really? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Wait, before you answer, let me guess your answer. <laughs> and I'm not... And I'm not basing this guest on what we talked about in the elevator on the way up because I, I this is what i would have guessed also the answer is yes yes absolutely so you think even though bruce willis came out and said it wasn't like last year right and ruined a lot of people's case well i think this was the first example of that, that showed me the definition of trolling because people that argue that it's a Christmas movie are lying, and they know they're <laughs> lying, and they really just want to start an argument about their favorite cheesy movie of all time. <laughs> well, we're not going to get into this in depth, but what are some criteria that make uh, a Christmas movie a Christmas movie? What better Christmas-themed show could we have <laughs> than to argue whether Die Hard is a Christmas? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't. So my answer is no. Yeah. Which... Honestly, this might be the most vehement disagreement right. we've ever had on this show. Because I am 100% in the camp that it is not a Christmas movie. It is a movie that it happens during Christmas. And for the record, this topic was actually in my high school newspaper. So it's been, and I'm not going to say how long ago that was, but it's actually, well, at least, of course, I might have been the one that initiated that topic, but it's been a point of contention for a long time. But, num- but one, it's set during Christmas. So that's criteria number one correct um number two it features christmas music throughout the movie maybe not throughout but there's numerous all right christmas songs set set during christmas yes christmas music plays throughout right okay what else well there's a santa claus (laughs) maybe not the traditional uh santa claus character but there's a bullet riddled uh, person in a Santa Claus suit, which in my mind, that certainly counts. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, sorry. If you haven't seen it, you can watch it to celebrate this Christmas. Is, yeah, <laughs> on one of 5,000 channels at any point in time ever. <laughs> All right, what else? So, during Christmas. Yes. Christmas music in the background. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus, yes. dead. <laughs> And it has a happy ending slash 
moral, whatever you want to say, moral uh, lesson or life lesson. I'm not exactly sure what the life lesson is, but I'm sure either. it's in there somewhere. It's not. Don't try to rob a building. No, Twinkies will save everyone. <laughs> so, first and foremost, it has Christmas music. All right, let me say this. Point, point one of your points, it has Christmas music in it, okay? <laughs> that is a, the equivalent of saying because a, a movie had a couch in it, it's a couch <laughs> movie. It is just part of the the set. Right. It, it's, it happens during the time of year that is Christmas, therefore, to set that scene, they have Christmas music in the background. Right. So, again, every movie you see that has a living room with a couch in it, it's now a couch movie. <laughs> Hashtag couch movie. Let's yes. get it trending. <laughs> the Simpsons is the couch TV show. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. That's number one. Number two. If a movie happens on August 17th, is that an August 17th movie? They have well, it's to have a summer it, movie. They have to have it sometime of the year. <laughs> they have to. Right. Well, The Hunt for Red October came out in September. <laughs> Is that a fall movie? <laughs> well, not all movies are defined by their setting. Exactly, including this one. <laughs> um, what, were the, what were your other dumb points? Oh, well, there's Santa's in it. Okay. A, 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 a necessary feature of a Christmas movie is having Santa. That's true, but he is not... Or she is not is not a central figure. As a no. matter of fact, again, refer back to the couch. Right. All right. What was your other one? Happy, uh, happy ending. Happy ending. Moral life uh, lesson. Not if you're, uh, you know, German. <laughs> <laughs> not if you're a big fan well, of Hans. There's Gula. not a happy ending in Home Alone for the wet bandits either. That's but a fair <laughs> point. Can't be happy ending for everybody in the movie. That's a fair point. And and again, the the biggest. The biggest piece of evidence you mentioned is Bruce Willis, the star, <laughs> says that it's not a Christmas Christmas movie. Oh, I thought you were going to say what he says in the movie. No, Makes no. it not a Christmas movie. Well, oh, with all the bad words? Yes. No, no, because Bad Santa is a Christmas movie. Yeah, so that's that's also near the top of my list. <laughs> I don't doubt it. But I would one <laughs> and two, I'm sure. <laughs> but what what is missing from the from Die Hard that would make it a Christmas movie. Well, let's compare it to It's a Wonderful Life. All right. Or really any real actual Christmas movie. <laughs> Christmas is not the central part of it. Right. It's absolutely unrelated. It literally could have happened during a July 4th party. That's true. It could. They could have been celebrating July 4th in Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> and and you know they could have had fireworks, and <laughs> he still he could have said yippee i kaye. It it doesn't matter. Well, and it probably wasn't even filmed in over the Christmas time period. What? Well, not that any movie is, and it, not that there's ever snow in California. That's irrelevant anyway. But yeah, um, yeah, and the fact that his the biggest line which we just played in the thing, they don't say, hey, come on out and spend Christmas with your family. No, when he's crawling through the duct and says, hey, come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. 
Nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> Maybe it's a New Year's movie. Maybe that was in reference but, to New Year's. And yeah. he said, hey, I'll swing by Nakatomi first and then go have a few laughs for New Year's. Maybe but it's a New Year's why movie. Why was he visiting his wife? Uh, because she hates him. <laughs> why was he bringing gifts and visiting his wife? Because it was Christmas. Could have been her birthday. <laughs> so it's her birthday movie. We could have um, called it her birthday. And that was the company Christmas party. Again, if it was the Fourth of July party, I wouldn't be saying it's a Christmas movie. Again, that's part of the set. <laughs> Not an inter- in no well, way. Yeah, but the set in Alien is in space, so that makes it a sci-fi movie. Fair enough. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> this is the this is the times I wish you weren't smarter than me. <laughs> um, but then again, if you were fighting an alien on Earth, it would probably still be considered a sci-fi movie. Without during being in Christmas, space. yeah, during Christmas. <laughs> Um, I will say there's probably not any other action movie, although I just recently read something that said Lethal Weapon should also be considered a Christmas movie. Um, I'm I haven't too old for this. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie nearly enough to yeah, me either. Remember, but nowhere or recently the, enough, nowhere near the level of quality of Die Hard. no. I did right. see Danny Glover was in Jumanji, which was interesting. Yeah, so no, also not a Christmas movie. <laughs> um, although the kid could have gotten the video game for a gift during Christmas. That's right. We don't know exactly. How about this? This is the key element completely missing. You tell me where there's one instance of it, and I may change my mind. Not a reference to it, but the actual Christmas spirit affecting the plot line of the movie. I win. <laughs> well, like I said, they're, she, he's going to visit her because it's Christmas. He wants to spend Christmas with the love of his life. Yeah, but they don't even have the same last name. They're, they're, they're over. <laughs> The only reason... Um, are you saying that people with the same last names can't be in love you mean in 2019? You mean different last names? People, yeah, people with different last names. No. But that wasn't filmed in 2019, <laughs> was it? It should have been. Yes. That's um, the one movie they haven't remade. It's because they're still making sequels. Yeah, that's true. You can't make a remake of Die Hard when they're... Yeah. So what, what year was that? Do you know? I do. Oh, I bet it was like... I'm going to say 89 to 91, somewhere Ooh, in there. 88. Oh, even earlier. All right. Well, we put that to rest. <laughs> Our <laughs> we, biggest disagreement. I'm right. Nothing to do with tennis. I'm 100% right. There's no question about it. Like I said, Bruce Willis coming out and saying it wasn't definitely uh, is a big uh, strike against my argument. Well, and how much fun is that guy? What a party pooper. I mean, in a, in a, right. Why would you? You're basically going against your own movie in that just because. It gives your movie a reason for people to talk about it every year. Right. Right. And he was the same guy who wanted a million dollars a day for The Expendables 2 or whatever it was. Ugh. And they said no thanks. Yeah, because it didn't make a million dollars. They could have paid him for a day. Yeah. Oh, all right. What are we here for again? Oh, this is the tennis revolution. Um, well, let me ask you this. Do you want to come in? I mean, we're looking around the studio. There's stockings. <laughs> There's a, what is that thing called? A poinsettia? Yes. On the table here in the studio, a little miniature Christmas trees, miniature Christmas trees around. So I guess this is a Christmas podcast. That's right, festive, ho ho, holiday ho. podcast. You can't no. say that anymore. Mm-mm. That's not a holiday. <laughs> well, we did tree. say Christmas movie. Exactly. Well, that's the argument. Right. I mean, yeah. Are there Hanukkah movies that aren't that are controversial? <laughs> Wait a minute. This is going sideways. <laughs> this is going sideways. Got one Adam Sandler Hanukkah movie. I think that's it. I'm sure there's others. No, no, but I meant that it's actually not a right. Hanukkah movie. All right, that's enough of Christmas movie talk. Let's talk about Christmas tennis. 
Thankfully, there's not any real tennis, although Twitter, Twitter begs to differ. I was shocked when I turned on the tennis channel and there was live tennis with players I'd heard of going on. I was like, what world are we living in right now? And that's why I get annoyed with them. everybody talking about the schedule being so tough when these players are voluntarily playing in the only offseason there is in tennis. Well, again, it's not. I'm not trying to tell who, what players to play what tournaments. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is stop lying to me and telling me, oh, you're not going to play this Masters right. 1000 or that Masters 1000 because the season's too long. Shut up. You just don't want to play it because you don't care. And you're number one in the world, and no one can catch you, so you don't care. Right. It's like when they the whole NBA thing now, when somebody doesn't play, it's in parentheses, rest. Load management <laughs> is what they call it. It's that. like, well, it, rest really means I think we can win this game without me playing, so right. I'm not going to play. Or there's a thousand games, so who really cares <laughs> if we win or lose? Right. Uh, everyone gets in the playoffs. Everyone's so. going to lose 20-plus games, so what's the difference? But yeah. yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, the sad part was the tournament meant absolutely nothing. That part wasn't sad, but the, the sad part was there was actually great tennis. But then you realized it meant even less than the smaller tournaments that we watched that say mean nothing. Like, I, didn't even, I thought it was an actual sanctioned tournament to the point where I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, this is an exhibition, but yet it's an exhibition tournament. Because the guys, to their credit, looked like they were trying. In the final, at least. Well, that's all I saw. Yeah. <laughs> Well, did you know it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars winner take all? No, the whole and but they all have undisclosed appearance fees, right? Which have to be more than two hundred fifty thousand. I would think for the big ones, especially. I would certainly think. But I just thought it was weird that you're going to pay zero to anyone publicly, but then you're going to offer a two hundred fifty thousand. Like, why wouldn't you offer a million or something like just more notable? Right, and by the way. Uh, tweets that come out and say, oh, look at that. Because here's the final. Right. The final was, this is the Mubadala yeah. World Tennis Championship. That's like the NFL call themselves world champions. <laughs> Nobody else plays football. And I told you what I think about every time I see anything in Abu Dhabi. Yes, what? Is Garfield. Oh. Because he always was trying to mail himself, or mail the dog to Abu Dhabi to right. get, get away from the dog. That was That's his, the only time I've ever heard of that country right. before this. It's like Bugs Bunny turning left at Albuquerque. Right. So I wish I had that drop. That would be <laughs> such a better podcast host if that I was, had that drop. By the way, that was outside of the Rainbow World Team Tennis. That was the worst color tennis court I've ever seen it on was, TV. It was odd. Yeah. It was odd. That was the other thing that I turned. It, it actually made me, I, I guess it did draw my attention. <laughs> Yeah, but it was like, what the hell is that? Because <laughs> when not, it was on, I was like, what is this? This is right, not how something different. Not how interesting. This is going to make tennis better. No, yeah. Um, so, so Nadal defeats Tsitsipas in the final. And wait for it. This is an exhibition score. <laughs> wait for it. 6-7, seven, 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 Now... And by the way, the score on Google was incorrect when I first saw it because it said it was 7-5 in the third. And then I read an article and it said the tiebreak in the third. I was like, well, something's off here. So you just gave me the correct score. You didn't tape it, did you? <laughs> I watched uh, some of it. So anyway, so that score may seem to indicate that these guys are really trying. Right. I've got news for you, Twitter. 
the end result of the score is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of the effort level put forth by these players. Right. Um, first of all, the, their effort level in this final starts in January. Not next January, last January. You know, they're setting up their training right. and travel schedule in conjunction with one another. And I don't imagine this was factored into that <laughs> periodization chart right. uh, that he and his coach and his team put together <laughs> for the year. I'm sure it was like, yeah, 250? Eh. Oh, 2.3 mil signing bonus? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. You know, who knows when, you know. So my guess is, is that, uh, they put no effort into prepping for this tournament outside of hitting a couple of balls during the week prior. It's not like this was built into the schedule like the French, you know, et cetera. Well, and what I understand is, again, I know we make fun of the Boodles being a world-class event, but why wouldn't you just do it like the Boodles where you just set up the matches you want to see instead of even running it like an actual draw? Like, why not just say, we're going to have Nadal Tsitsipas on Saturday, we're going to have Djokovic Nadal on Sunday, or something like now, listen, I don't mean to take away from your point you made, but I'm terrible at being a host of a podcast, and I missed my opportunity. So <laughs> say the first sentence about the Boodles again. <laughs> I said I don't mean to. I know we talk about the Boodles being, being a world-class event. How dare you? <laughs> it is, sir. Okay, now we got it. Sorry. Right. That would have been perfect, but I blew it. But, but no, you're exactly right. Um exhibitions but the problem is they want to make the final great and make it look like so that's the match that maybe one of them maybe they wanted Djokovic Nadal right. probably I think that's probably what they would have preferred that's what they were hyping on, on in the semis but what I'm saying is for an exhibition why take the risk that you're going to get Chung and Rublev as the final match when yeah. you're not like you're paying the same anyway, so what does it matter? Like you'd rather guarantee that you're going to see the top names on the last day. So it's just weird to have an exhibition, but right. then make it an actual tournament. And then it was six people, which you know how I love the number six for a tournament draw. It's just so great. <laughs> I don't even know how. I assume they gave Nadal and Djokovic a bye in the first round. I don't know how they did it. I don't either. I think the knows? website has no information whatsoever. Maybe it was a round robin. I know they had a fifth place match at some point. I'm like, fifth place for what? It's not a real tournament. It's an ex it's literally an exhibition. So it just, it was something to watch, but all I'm thinking while it's on is what I had to Google the tournament because I didn't know what it was and I like didn't know why I was watching. I'm like, what is this leading to? What's the point? Well, a lot like our disagreement about a certain Christmas movie <laughs> or not. It, it's got elements, as you have mentioned. It has elements that would trick someone into thinking Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And similarly, similarly, this tournament had elements that would trick you into thinking it's real tennis. Right, because you got but, three top five players. But if you step back and realize, mm, no, I'm still an exhibition, <laughs> and no, I don't care. Right. And, and honestly, if people do care about this, it better be because there's nothing going on and they really want to see live tennis. Yeah. That's it. Otherwise, it sickens me. Um, yes, Nadal put forth effort in a final. Shocking. Right. Uh, big deal. Uh, Seats of Pass put forth effort. 
in a final against one of the all-time greats. Shocking. And it, it's not shocking. Would anything be different today if Tsitsipas won that match 6-2, 6-2? Yeah. It wouldn't change yeah. anything. Nothing would I'd change. Be, I'd be putting all the money down for him on the fr- <laughs> in the French. Yeah, I just don't. Like, you can talk about it, it was a great match to watch or the quality match. Speaking of, that was the funny thing, too, watching the tennis show and greatest matches of the year, and they're showing matches at ATP 250s, and, like, I'm like, one of the criteria for a great match is it has to mean something. Well, let me ask you this. If you got 230, you know, to 50 ranked players who have never made that kind of money, winning a 250 is big. It's the biggest moment of their career. Yeah. I think so. I, I think that can substitute. One thing that does not substitute is the Mubadala World Tennis Championships in Abu Dhabi with Garfield and Odie. That's what I mean. I could see them putting I'm going to start calling the Odie Championship. <laughs> I could see them putting this as one of the best matches next year. Right. Like they had several Labor Cup matches uh, as the greatest uh, matches uh, of the year. Uh, and yep. I'm like... Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. But I'm like, can we have a little bit of... Especially when Tennis Channel has access to all four slams. They, they could have done just Grand Slam matches and they could have filled up five days of great matches. Well, when you watch... So... The greatest game ever played. Are you familiar with that movie and, and which game it is? 65? And I just saw was it a little story on the Fox pregame show this morning about it. Was it 1965? It was either 64 or 65. Okay. Somewhere so in there. It was a football game between the Giants, the New York Giants, and I don't remember. The Colts. The Colts. That's the only reason I know because the story was about the Colts this yeah. morning. 1964 or 5, greatest game ever played. You know how many turnovers there were in that game? <laughs> it was awful football. And wasn't it like 13-10 or something? It was not good football. Yeah. Now, granted, I'm not looking at football through a lens of 2019 with all the high flying and high scoring stuff, but there were like seven or more. I can't remember how many turnovers. There was a lot of turnovers. <laughs> so that was not the greatest game ever played on a pure, right? you know, this is how you play football properly but it was the greatest game because of all the other factors yeah. in terms of what it meant, the best teams, blah, 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 players, et cetera. So there is an element, because you could take a Wimbledon final, which is arguably the pinnacle, right? right? I mean, some people would pick other tournaments, but generally speaking, I think Wimbledon's the grandfather of all, all of them. Yeah. So the Wimbledon final, men or women, um, just by – time and place and venue is going to be a great those three things are locked right but what if it's two two and one and exactly. one guy one guy girls double faulting 19 times in a row it's not a great match but right. at the same time what if you go you and i go out on it back to your club after we record i'll beat you down on the podcast then i'll beat you down on the court <laughs> And we play a you know three hours seven six six seven seven six match right. that means nothing to no one, and we had no unforced errors. Well, know? that's the whole problem. Is it's got to be? It's got to be both, and it's got to be the bigger the players, the more it means. The bigger the venue, the more it means. And then, you know, then it comes down to how close was the match or how competitive was the match, right? So, in that regard, I think you're right that they will think this match was a great match of the year. I disagree. 
Well, and the fact that it doesn't even count for anybody's rankings or records. Right. Like what's and and again, no evidence of this, but I agree with you. They probably made more money for showing up than they did for winning it. Right. Well, there's no way that they wouldn't have played otherwise. Right. Nadal is not going to Abu Dhabi for less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. But yeah, I mean, it was something to you know to watch slash talk about. But it was just odd to see mid December live tennis with Nadal, especially who's chronically injured. It, he was the one that I was shocked to see there. The rest I could understand. But him being there was really shocking to me. Right. Because he's played, I mean, he's literally played nonstop since January. Outside of one or two events he might have withdrawn from. Right. Which leads us, this is almost, this is almost show prep right here. <laughs> Which leads us into the theme of this podcast. We have a theme? Uh Literally three seconds of prep. I texted you. You said, great idea. <laughs> uh, the only reason it wasn't more prep is because I didn't reply saying, I know. <laughs> um, so the Christmas season is upon us, as you can tell by Dar- Die Hard being on the TV. Right. And uh, and so we thought we might talk a little bit of naughty and nice. Yes. Not that kind of podcast. <laughs> Tennis related, naughty and nice only. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned... One sir, he's not a sir. Whatever they do in Spain to knight somebody, uh, Rafael Nadal. You think he's been very naughty? I'm gonna say naughty for him. So and he, so he's getting coal, and he's getting coal, <laughs> and maybe sprinkled a little clay in his stock. Well, and that sounds pretty stupid because he's won. He won two slams, but I think that him playing so much tennis is gonna dramatically hurt him in 2020. So I think that. Naughty, not, not bad, but not, not the normal definition of naughty, but naughty in terms of how much tennis he played. I think that's going right. to be a big regret of his. So I, the downside about, first of all, I agree, I, I agree with you from the standpoint of he, again, it's weird to say he played too much because as I've always said, any player you know, should, you know, like team plays every tournament he can, you know, make hay while the sun is shining. Right. Because apparently you're not allowed to make it at night. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Or on a cloudy day. I don't know how, I don't know how hay works. All I know is that every time I'm driving down the highway, my daughter's in the back car, I'll say, Hey, and then point to the field. You're definitely asking the wrong person when you're talking about anything hay or farm related. Yeah. So make hay while the sun is shining. So, Play, 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 because it's almost over. Here's the only downside that's going to bother me for his naughtiness of playing so much is that if if he does sort of start to fade in 2020, is it real? Does that mean the new players are getting better, or is he just beating himself up? And at this point, maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe he's driving until the the car runs out of gas, and then he's going to get out. Well, it actually makes me wonder if he knows that his time is near, so he's just, you know, I might as well play, as, like you said, might as well play as much as I can now because I know this is my last year coming up or whatever. Right. But uh, to me, it's just weird prep for 2020 to be doing all that now because the French isn't that far away. Yeah. So that's what I don't get. Well, I mean, maybe he's, well, we'll see. We'll see what the Australian Open uh, series looks like. Um and how how heavy he you know jumps 
face first into that, and then we'll find out because he might be continuing to be naughty, if you will. Well, I've, no- got, I've got one that people think he's naughty, but he's not. Who's that? I don't know. We're going to talk about that when we come back. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com, to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, we're back with the much-awaited naughty by the way let me just say this if you want to find out who the naughtiest women's tennis player is don't google it (laughs) (laughs) just don't first of all andy murray will be really mad at you for treating women in such a way uh what what we're talking about doesn't come up let me just put it that way all right so naughty we're being a little general on the term naughty here's who people yeah it's a christmas theme yeah so they're getting coal in their stockings right on the men's side, but uh, so I've got here's somebody who has not been naughty, but people th- on the surface think he has, and that's Medvedev. He's a little bit of a punk, and the, if you remember the U.S. Open, is really right. really kind of came out, and um, you know both his game and his attitude. Uh, but I think I think he just rolled with the punches on the attitude thing, where he's sort of you know messing with the crowd and uh, trolling, I guess. Well, it's funny. I was watching. Speaking of those. Greatest matches of the year. They had a Kyrgios Medvedev match from a final somewhere. I can't remember where it was now. I think it was Cincinnati, maybe, or no, it was Washington, I think. And I watched Medvedev's post match, you know, interview. He lost. And he we couldn't have been nicer. He was like, Thank you so much for the fans. They were cheering me on all week. It felt like I was a resident here. I'll come back to this tournament every year. Can't wait. And to me, that's honest because at New York, they treated him like crap. So right. he had a reason to be upset. Like, to me, being honest is not naughty. Right. Um, plus, I just think stuff like that is great for sports. I watched a boxing match last night, and after the the guys hated each other, and they went and fake shook hands after, and they interviewed the winner, and he said, so are all your problems uh, water under the bridge? And he said, no, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that would somebody, some, n- nobody would ever say that in tennis ever. Right. But I appreciated it because it was honest. He said, I still hate the guy, but, you know, we're not fighting anymore, so big well, deal. Well, the easy one is to say Nick Kyrgios obviously is naughty, but right. I don't even think he's naughty anymore. I think he's just, he's the Grinch. I mean, he just lives in it. There is no naughty. He just is the Grinch. And I think he's, he's just, another one, he's just honest, like, when he loses, he's pissed. Yeah, yeah, but he's a punk too. Yeah, because I mean, he runs off at his mouth and the underhand serve, and, and, his, and it's all—he's wrong. He's incorrect most of the time. Right. I feel like he's mellowed out some to where he's scaling closer to nice than before. Yeah, it's hard to be m- not nice when you're fifty in the world because <laughs> less people care. Yeah, he, and nobody not, sees you. He's not fifty. No, is he? I don't know. He's down there. Well, but in even if he's not, he's still the only reason he is is because he won two one thousands. He's still. Right. Right. Losing early, the vast majority of the tournaments he plays, so you don't get opportunities. So here's somebody who I think is naughty, and it relates to Medvedev. Zverev. Naughty because he doesn't ever improve his deficiencies. <laughs> no, his volley <laughs> is very naughty. No, because he's he has sort of as the 
probably by like as per week's total the highest ranked next genner. Right. I guess he has taken upon himself the leadership role of the next geners. Because if you remember during the U.S. Open, he he uh, urged his fellow next geners to follow the lead of Roger Federer and Nadal, not Djokovic. Um, <laughs> you know, in behavior and stuff like that. And I'm like, shut up, stupid. Mind right. your business. You worry about playing tennis because yeah. you can't do that. He must be too worried about that and not worried about his I, game. I, and, I, and I don't know. I don't remember if that was at the time, if that was, you know, directed towards Medvedev or he was just being a punk because that's very Andy Murray-esque when he just, you know, right. at least Andy Murray's saying something that could matter. Well, and is there anybody that's any more boring to watch than Zverev? Like if every tennis player played like him, I wouldn't want to watch tennis. Right. Um, I'm not saying you can't do both. You can't be respectful and, you know, be flashier, have a bigger personality. But he's not the guy that I'm going to emulate or listen to or take advice from. Right. Yeah. So anyway, he he's but he kind of is in that Andy Murray camp where he's just trying to you know be the moral you know thought leader of the tour. Right. Uh, yet he, everything he says is empty. So is Andy Murray, but at least he's on the right subject matter. Yeah. I've got one that I think will be interesting what you decide. All right. Naomi Osaka. Oh, Naughty no. Or nice. Why? Because she uh, <laughs> is texting back and forth with uh, Seats Pass <laughs> in the summer? No, that was entertaining. Yeah, that was. But just that she can't seem to keep a coach, so that would lead me to believe Naughty. There's something Naughty there. She's must be difficult. Ooh. So I don't know. I'm I'm leaning towards Naughty just for that reason. Like, how can you be multi-grand slam winner and top five in the world and yet you can't keep a coach well here's the downside and you're to me it's only it's only a downside for this podcast for you it's a downside for our entire industry apparently (laughs) but there's no just absolute maniacs or jackasses on on the scene at the top 10 top 20 level now fonini is probably the closest one and even he, like, if you just watched a match of his, you would think, okay, that's pretty normal. Do you know why? It's what? hard to do that. There's a rare exception of a player, uh, you know, a la John McEnroe, who can right. use it to his advantage and actually motivate himself yeah. to, you know, raise up a level. Uh, yeah, because even Medvedev wasn't doing it really during matches. It was more just post-match. Right. Like I always say, if you get mad, you know, during, after one point, it's going to cost you two. Right. And uh, except McEnroe. McEnroe would get all pissed off and come out and, you know, hit, hit an ace or, you know, wide serve and come in and put the next ball away and be done with it. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone comparable to that currently. There's just too much money out there that's unrelated to winning. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that are wild. You know, like Monfi could be considered wild. Obviously, Curios, Fonini, but I wouldn't call any of them like wild in a negative way. Yeah. Which I do think there is, you know, a market for that. Well, here's what I think is going to happen. Um, I think there's, I think, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm saying the same thing here when I say I think there is a place for that. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that, there's a, there's a hole for that. And if there is a person that can balance that behavior with maintaining their level, then I think you're 100% right that it's going to happen. Well, I guarantee you, 
I bet Curios is one of the top five most popular players right now. I don't know how you measure that. Maybe TV ratings or I don't know what you know merchandise sales, but at least in terms of top five players I want to watch, he's probably in most people's top five, even though his ranking doesn't reflect that. Yeah, and he's not even and he's not doing it the way that we're saying he could. He could be doing it a lot better. Although, again, you know, people people disregard the fact that from the neck up, it's just another tool. Right. Just like your forehand, your foot speed, your hand-eye coordination, um, you know, your reaction time, um, you know, all those things, your head is also part of that picture. It's not unconnected. Yeah. Uh, it's as in, an integral part that should be thought of uh, along the same lines as, oh, he needs to improve his forehand or, or whatever. And so um, it's, it, uh, it will be a rare player that will be able to do that because if you don't have your head right, you're not going to get to that level. Right. And yeah. I, don't, I don't see him getting, ever getting that completely fixed. Well, not him. Wait, not you him. mean in general? Right. It, you know, the next, next, next gen or right. whoever's, whoever's after that. It's just, still the part outside of the head, which I know this would come with, you know, being more mentally stable or mentally advanced, whatever you want to call it. It, amaze, it still amazes me how when you measure the ability for a player to grind, outlast, you know, win a match with physicality, it's still the same players that are 30-plus that are outlasting all the others. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. But I think it's because they mentally know what needs to be done to compete at that level, and the players that are 25 and under don't. They think they're doing enough, and they're not. Right. Well, they did enough. It worked to get them to this point. Right. And so I, I, I can, to some degree, understand why would you want to risk not being top 10 in the world so you could be at the level of one of the all-time greats or some right. of the all-time greats? Because where they're at is pretty good. Yeah. They don't want to jump off that ledge because they might not, you know, make it back up. And I get it, but it makes for a boring, you know, <laughs> a boring four through 50. Right. So I don't know what that's got to do with naughty and nice. Has anybody been nice? Yes. The whole men's tour for the most part. Venus Williams. Venus Williams. She's always nice. Not Serena? No. <laughs> um. It's actually for purely nice, like like there's not many pure naughty. I don't know. There's many pure nice yeah. that I can think of. I mean, Federer, of course, blah blah, whatever. Well, he might not be nice anymore. He didn't win the sportsmanship award. <laughs> Who did? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few. It's just players are a little too complimentary for my liking, and I don't believe believe it when they are most of the time. Um, so that's what that's what I get frustrated about. What do you have, where do you have Djokovic on the naughty and nice scale? He just wants to fit in. Yeah, I feel like he's mellowed out. Like he's again, he's one scaling closer to nice than he used to. He used to be real crotchety about everything, and even Murray was too. By the way, now Murray's like the super nice guy. He, I mean, and it's funny watching him play because he has such the nice off court persona. You know, for six months he's off the tour, and then you watch him play, and he's still doing the same yelling and screaming and you know sulking and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe this wasn't a great, great idea for a podcast after all, because <laughs> there's not. It doesn't really stand out. No. no. Nobody really stands out, and 
you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you, a lot more players came to mind. Yeah, you had a clear differentiation. And not just McEnroe. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of people that were maniacs. <laughs> um, but I think that's, again, I, I see that as a problem with the tour. It's homogenized. It's already, it's, not, it's bad enough that the game is homogenized where everybody plays similarly. I think they've made the personalities, you know, the same thing. And like you said, whether it's people because they want to get endorsements, they don't want to ruffle any feathers, politically correct, whatever it is. I think number one has to be money. Yeah. Because they're at this point, they're not if, – if they get to this point and they misbehave but they're still at this level, they're not going to listen to coaches about making an adjustment in that arena. Because you, you want to talk about tough, making that kind – changing your behavior on court right. is even tougher. Yeah. And you're going to go through a downslide, you know, maybe for good if you change that up. Uh, but ultimately, I think it's for the better. But I do think for the fans' perspective, you know, for us, seeing the trials and tribulations and struggles that players go through you know, can equate to just any human struggle. Right. You know, I, I do, I, it sounds, might sound a little overwrought and a little corny, but I do think it's to some degree uh, a, a representation of any great struggle. Right. Now, on the women's side, I mean, you know, I will say that the obvious one has been Serena over the past, you know, acting like a, 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 a you know, a maniac at right. certain periods of time. But generally speaking, I don't see her as being, you know, naughty. Uh, she's no, just, this year you'd have to put her in the nice category. And she's very competitive. Just because right. she ain't chit-chatting on changeovers <laughs> doesn't mean, you know, that she's she's got ill will. I think only in certain matches at the U.S. Open does <laughs> right. she absolutely lose her mind. Does Halep make it to naughty status? Why? Just because. She's a brat. Her, yeah. See, Again, issues with her coach. It is Christmas, and so you, you think about you know kids behaving and things. So brat's a good word. So. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and we all know of Darren Cahill as so nice, whereas I'm sure as a coach he can be abrasive because most coaches are at times. Well, yeah, they have to be because right. they're telling you what you're not doing right. right. So I can't blame all their problems on her. I, he's got to be, takes two to, you know, cause a rift. And I don't see any issues with her on court, like with her being naughty and, you know, yeah. that, that I've noticed. I'm just sad Coco is uh, Vandaway, not golf. <laughs> uh, hasn't really been 100% uh, involved this season because she's at least in your face. Right. Now, that le- that's a recipe for getting on the naughty list because if you're confrontational it could go that way right um and that doesn't bother me a bit no me either in college we have a rule that you hit a shot you can't pump your fist towards your opponent like right. across the net um or wherever the uh, on changeovers right yeah. while they're sitting down <laughs> i don't know anywhere uh and she now that I don't know if that's a rule, they could chalk that under unsportsmanlike. Maybe if it's done, you know, right. excessively. But uh, but yeah, she she does that quite frequently. She'll turn right towards her opponent and holler thing like "Let's go!" <laughs> yeah. Not not necessarily calling her opponent's names, but yelling yeah. things out, you know, to pump herself up, but at her opponent. So it's clearly to let them know, hey, I just 
beat you on that point or game. <laughs> and again, in you know team situations, that's acceptable. There's some situations where that's okay. In tennis, I think it's great. Well, I, I don't. I actually, I'm <laughs> on the naughty list because I can't make up my mind whether this should be a gentleman's game or deteriorate into just you know gladiator <laughs> style. I'm the same. I feel because like that annoys me to death. But I also say I want players to hate each other. <laughs> right, but if we're not if we're not a hundred percent pure, then we're zero. Right. So that for me, that's where I'm at. I'm like, if we can't beat golf, yeah, then throw it all out. Well, it's almost like I want the players to hate each other until the moment the match is done, and then I want you to go and shake hands and hug and say great match. You know. Yeah, but that's not real. I know. Remember that's the problem. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but I know that's. Well, I think that's the difference is are you do you hate your opponent or are you doing whatever it takes to win? I think those are two different things. Right. Um but you sprinkle hate in <laughs> if two players just don't like each other. Yeah. That certainly adds a bunch to it. Well, and I don't care if two players hate each other like people make a big deal about not shaking hands. If you hate each other, why should you shake hands? I mean, it, uh going back to exactly what we just said. I mean, because we are supposed to be a game for ladies and gentlemen. Well, I think shaking hands is, is accepting the outcome and saying we played this under, you know, fair terms. Maybe, or it's just saying, hey, the match is now over and this is what it is, and there you have it. I agree right. to that. Or and, I respect you as a well, player or whatever. Can, what are you going to do, not accept it? <laughs> it's not like your opponent's making the calls. Yeah, no, I know. Well, they, but they have to shake the official's hand too. But that and you see that way more often, where the players don't shake the the officials' hand versus right not shaking their opponents' hands. Which, hmm, in terms of the naughty nice list, I think that makes more sense. Yeah, because they're actually affecting the outcome of the match, and their word is final. Yeah, including if they're wrong. Right. Although Hawkeye and all that is now the final word a lot of times. But and by the way, the I will say this last comment on Abu Dhabi. The replay system they used for that was 100 times better than the regular Hawkeye. They had the actual camera where you could see the right. ball landing, slow motion. I right. think they did a combination of both, but right. it's just nice to see it, you know, see the actual ball touching the ground. Yeah, because we still might not be able to tell exactly depending yeah. on circumstances, but if there's a margin of error on Hawkeye, which there is, right. maybe you miss by that much. I know, and nobody talks about the margin of error and, and how often the call is within that margin of error. Right. Which is a lot. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe they should go back and it, it should be calibrated that if if the mark shows up within that margin of error, it's in. Right. Because if there's any doubt, well, not for you because you're naughty. <laughs> if there's any doubt, you call it out. But if there's any doubt, it's in, right? Yeah. So if it's within the margin, it should be in. Yeah. That's what I think. I think so too. Like you said, it's got to be... Like you said, you're supposed to be sure it's out before you call it out. And we can obviously call the schedule makers naughty, but that's not going to change. There are no schedule makers, really. <laughs> yeah, you know what I problem. mean? No, it's, you're right. It's balancing that's the whole problem. A bunch of uh, a bunch of independent contractors, essentially. Yeah, that all want to have their tournament at the same time, and trying to satisfy all of them. Yeah, so we've got to we've got to tackle that. I think what we're going to do is throughout right. Prior to, uh, prior to a Grand Slam series, quote-unquote, commencing, 
maybe we'll do that schedule for that Grand Slam series. Yeah, okay. And I'm counting the Boodles as a Grand Slam. <laughs> the fifth, the, the final, the fifth slam everybody's been wanting. The only slam. That, by the way, how hilarious would it be that five years from now when the big three are retired, maybe, that they add a fifth slam and then the, the, the slam numbers go totally out of whack, which would be hilarious. That'd be great. Like what's happening in the NFL where every quarterback has 4,000 yards or 5,000 yards. Right, because like, receivers can't be touched and quarter, <laughs> quarterbacks can't even be breathed on. Right, so the, the Grand Slam total will mean nothing at that point. Then they'll have to come up with some other stat that percentage of Grand Slams won or you know, some, who knows what they'll come up with. But Well, that's what it should be anyway. Yeah. Well, not necessarily because, I mean, Borg would be super high on that list because he retired at 26. Um, well, yeah, but... I mean, the bottom line is if you entered a tournament, and it, it, it kind of like football where there's a minimum number of attempts. So if you entered one U.S. Open and won it and then retired, <laughs> you're one for one. You're the right. greatest player in the history of the world. <laughs> um, anyway, there, there's a lot of factors, which I have no idea what has to do with our naughty and nice list. Nothing. Oh, goodness. That sounded like a better idea on the text than it ended up being. Well, I got a controversial one, I'm saying, but I already said this, but I'm going to add Uh-oh. it to the list. Wozniacki naughty. Because she, she, she quit on us? Yeah. Well, not yes, but that she had to tell us she pre-quit. She pre-quit, Which right. is what Murray did, too, right. which I hate. Now, I, I think his was done out of emotion because he was in the moment not knowing well, if he was going to walk right for the And I really think life. it was misreported with him because all the headlines says Murray retires. But and he then when did. you read the story, it said, I'm going to play... And come back and play whenever I can. Right. This like, might be my last. Yeah, I didn't. So that, I almost don't blame him on that. But for this, I blame her because it's just. Right. I mean, again, we talk about never having anything to talk about. Because of her, we had, we've had something to talk about. But <laughs> um, By the way, you know who else is on the naughty list? Let me think. Male or female? Both. <laughs> Maybe. Caitlyn Jenner plays tennis? <laughs> nice. <laughs> no. Uh, what? The fans. Really? Yeah, because if they don't spread the word and share the <laughs> tweets, they're getting coal in their stocking. That's right. Even if they don't celebrate Christmas, you're still getting coal yeah. if you don't do that. Unless you sell coal for a living, and then we I'm can, not giving you coal. We can spend all of Christmas Eve night driving to each of your houses and deliver coal <laughs> for those that haven't. Uh, of course, oh. we have no way of knowing if well, you shared. Not, no, no. They're all, they're all, they all live in, they're in the, you know three-mile radius of the studio. <laughs> Basically, anybody that can hear us out the window, that's our yeah, listeners. Yeah, but I meant there's no way to know. Maybe some of them might have shared it with other people. We have no way to know. Yeah, I believe them. Could have all started with one person who told all these other people about it. Yeah, that could be. That person's on the nice list. Yes. Or the naughty list if you're not us. <laughs> if, you, if you're one of the ones that fell for it. No, I think maybe we for once we had a positive podcast in that we always talk about the bad things in tennis and i think we've realized and we put in perspective there aren't that many naughty people in tennis it's, right which we in turn called bad right so ultimately <laughs> right we don't know what we want we bought, brought it right around on back home i, I really don't we figured out we want contrast that's what we don't have we want contrast and on the tour realness yeah if if, if you're an a hole go be an a hole like you said we didn't put medvedev on the naughty list because what did he do that was naughty? He said the truth. You guys were rooting against me. He and incited be- a riot and of that, in I New York City. <laughs> That's all. Because of that, I played better. You know. Yeah. I mean, what of that? What of that is false? Right, but I, I do think if you're going to be a chump, you're going to be a bad guy. 
be a bad guy. Right. You know, use it to help you play better. Yeah, there's definitely some back and forth. Even Curios, he tries to be the nice, happy guy like everybody. Yeah, but if he goes negative, his game goes – Yeah. You know, he's throwing chairs across the court. So it's not the same. Medvedev is probably the only player we've seen in a long time who's played better in that negative space over over an extended period of time, too. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But maybe that's why he went downhill at the end of the year because he wasn't mad at anything. Yeah. He started to get more fans – who like that? And he realized, wait a second. <laughs> but then the thing that got him the fans, he turned. He's like, oh, I'm nice now. Right. That's not going to work. We need a bad guy. We need a heel in in the <laughs> wrestling parlance. There we go. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. On this uh, Christmas Eve, 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 <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, it depends on when you're listening. Yeah, that's true. It could be Christmas past. It could be Christmas <laughs> future. Um, if you're if you're for the first time just picking this uh, podcast up in 2021, this was about 2019. Okay, <laughs> not 2020. Next week we'll talk about the Kazakhstan exhibition uh, somewhere. Who knows? There's going to be something. I'm something. serious. We should start talking about like 15 Ks in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you want to talk about some tennis that means something? To That's right. Competitive matches. Yeah. So, all right. That's enough. We got to go wrap presents and That's stuff. Right. Certainly not for each other. I've got you nothing. No. Um, so don't worry about that. But anyway, uh, Twitter, tennis rev pod at tennis rev pod, uh, follow us. And when you see the tweets, apparently you can set alarms or something or notifications. So when I send a tweet out, or I'm, I'm sorry, when our social media team sends a, <laughs> <laughs> sends a tweet out, uh, it'll alert you. And then you can just yippee, share it all over the world. So by all means, please do that. Um, Instagram for some unknown reason, we have an Instagram account, <laughs> tennis revolution pod. Check that out. And that's really it. Anything? That no corner, no nothing, nothing, nothing under the tree, if you will. <laughs> no, like usual, it's empty. And we're not going to be under mistletoe. Are we under mistletoe now? No, no? Not good. Unless you've got some plans I don't know about. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it until next time. Thanks for joining the revolution. Bye guys. Oh, oh, oh.